Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Right, it's good to see you. We are done with that series on experiencing God. I'm sure you'll hear little nuggets from that off and on throughout the holiday season. I have some plans on that. But uh, I wanted to bring a message today, uh, kind of a one-off for me. It's just um, this message, and then I'll jump into the holiday. But I simply entitled it, Be That One. And you'll see this in a little bit. But, but as we enter this season of autumn and fall, um, contrary to my wonderful worship pastor, we differ on favorite seasons. Uh, he's a summer boy, and I'm a fall guy. All right. I love autumn and I love fall. There's a, um, there's a towel that hangs in our kitchen on our stove that says, I love fall best of all. And that's me. I mean, I love it. I love everything about fall. I love the weather of fall. Um, I love the colors of fall. If you don't get a chance to get out and enjoy that, please do. Nobody paints like God. Nobody paints like God. I love the nature and wildlife in fall. Um, I love the elks when they're making a lot of wonderful noise, whatever you call what they do. I love the deer that move. I love the squirrels that gather. Nothing better than a big old flock of geese. Uh, Just praising the Lord as it moves. I love the food of fall, as my worship pastor said. Uh, Some of the best holidays are in this season. Um, I'm a big pie guy. I don't like cake and ice cream. It's overrated. But pies, pies are my love. And this is pie season, amen? I mean, woo! come on, man. I'm getting hungry already. I got a long way to go before I get to eat. But, uh, but I love that. I love the food of fall. I love, I'm a, I'm a college football junkie, and I'm not healed yet. Probably won't get healed. Um, but I love football I love the NFL, but I especially love college football. It is one of my favorites. Uh, I just, I love every bit of that. I love October because of fall classic in Major League Baseball. There's no better season for that. Um, I love fall because of all the seasons, I believe, we are focused on family. Of all the seasons, I think fall reminds us of what we have in family. We gather more in the fall as families. Uh, we're kind of, I, I don't want to say forced to do it, but Thanksgiving begins that, and it just kind of rolls into Christmas, and I think it's gorgeous. Some of my favorite time. As a senior pastor, I absolutely love the church in the fall. Still to this day, the highest average attendance of all seasons is fall for church. Uh, everybody kind of plays in the summer. And I don't know if guilt drives them to church after Labor Day or what, but they all come back after Labor Day and they lock in. Many churches do uh, one of the greatest uh, campaigns, especially the Baptist denomination does, is uh, about the second or third 
week in the fall, they do a high attendance or I love my church campaign where they jack up attendance a little bit and baptize extra people. So, uh, but it's pretty cool. But a church attendance in the fall is just absolutely gorgeous. But I have lots of reasons to love fall. It's not that I don't love the other seasons, but fall is one of my special, special seasons. The words of fall. It, it, I'm a, I'm a, I frequent Hobby Lobby quite a bit, not by myself, but because my beautiful wife goes there a lot. A lot of, a lot of my money is in Hobby Lobby, um, probably years too as a husband. But the words of fall, I, I love because I love it in front of people the whole season. The words are grateful. You see it everywhere. It's a feeling of showing appreciation for something done or received. You see the word thankfulness everywhere. It is a feeling of being pleased and relieved, a blessing. You see the word blessed everywhere. It's a favor or gift bestowed by God. And you see the word harvest, a process or a period of gathering crops. In the church, harvest means something totally different. And for Jesus, there will be a great harvest one day. I love the words of fall. I love the season of fall. I want you to look today at a lot of scripture. And we're just going to try to see what God is trying to tell us about gratefulness and thankfulness and why it is so very important for us. James 1, 16 and 17 says this. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift, my friends, comes down from the Father. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, 17, and 18. Be joyful always. Pray continually. We preach on that a lot, but catch the third one. Give thanks in all circumstances. For why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for us is to be joyful. God's will for us is to be prayerful. Pray continuously. God's will for us is to say thank you, to be thankful. I love this text here, Hebrews 13, 15. I have a good buddy of mine that sends me a scripture every single morning. He sends them to me early at 6 because he knows I'm up. But he's faithful to do that. He had no idea that this was one of my texts this week. It just came on Wednesday or Tuesday, I believe. And uh, I read it and started laughing because that's just God. Amen. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 15 says this, Therefore, by him... Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Isn't that gorgeous? The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I want you to go to your Bible in Psalms. Go to Psalm 95. I hope you like the word. There's quite a bit of scripture today. It's just something I like. Uh, Psalm 95 says this, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king 
above all gods. His hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. His hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are his people, the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Isn't that just gorgeous? I mean, it's his. We, scripture's very clear. Every breath we take is a gift from God. Every breath. We didn't do anything to earn that. You just think about the last breath you just took. You're not really doing that much right now. <laughs> I mean, basically, you're sitting on your can, okay? You're not doing anything, but you have air to breathe. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. I want you to go to our text, Luke. Go to Luke. It's a great little story in Luke, kind of tucked away. We've known it. We've heard it. But we, I, I want to look at it just a little bit in depth today. And then I want to see if it teaches us anything. Luke 17. Look at verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along a border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15, one of them, I want you to put the emphasis on one of them came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. Mm. He was a Samaritan. I don't have time to get into that. Jesus will say something about it in a little bit. Jesus answered, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. You know, when you play baseball, you want to be one of the nine. <laughs> In Luke, you don't want to be one of the nine, okay? <laughs> You want to be the first guy on the bench after the nine. Amen. You want to be the 10th one that understood that, man, I've been cleansed. I've been made well. I've been healed. And I know who did it. And I'm about to go back and praise him all the way there. And when I get there, I'm going to throw myself on the ground because he's worthy of my praise. And I'm going to say thank you. Can I tell you we've lost that? We've lost that as a country. We've lost that as a people. We've got to find that. We've got, we got to find that. The Bible says it's up to us as parents to teach that. Because if one generation gets away from us, they're going to raise another generation that gets away from it. So I want to, I want to share with you four benefits of being thankful and grateful. Four little nuggets of being grateful and thankful. Number one, 
giving thanks reminds us how much we have. I don't know if you know this or not, but humans are prone to covetousness. <laughs> it's not a word we use a lot. We call it keeping up with the Joneses, all right? But we covet what someone else has. We, we look at it. We stare at it. We drool over it. I have a little running joke with my daughter who I love tremendously. I said, baby, if you were blind, you'd be rich. Now, that's because everything she sees, she wants, all right? Now, I love her to death, but that's true for a lot of people I meet. If they were blind, they'd be rich. You know what I mean? You may be that person. If you were blind, you'd be rich. If we have a tendency to covet what other people have, thinking that they've got it so good because they've got all this stuff. A lot of the people that I know that have a lot of stuff aren't as happy as you would think they would be. And some of the people that have a whole lot of stuff try to give a whole lot of stuff away so they don't have a whole lot of stuff. I've also found that having a whole lot of stuff can keep you away from the one who gave you the stuff. It can all, all also, if you're not careful, make the stuff at an altar and a place that only is there for the one true God. I had a teenager when I was in youth ministry. He said, God, Pastor, I, I want you to join me as we pray that I get a new truck. Well, first of all, you pray, I get a new truck. But I said, why do we need to pray that you get a new truck? Well, my parents don't think I need one. I said, well, let me ask you a simple question. If God gave you a brand new truck, would you fill it up with all your lost friends and come to church more than you do today? He never stuck around to answer the question. He just walked away. See, his intention for a new truck had nothing to do with expanding the kingdom, magnifying the name of Jesus, and seeing his lost friends come to church. He was probably going to use the new truck to keep himself away from church and to do things he shouldn't have been doing. And because his parents know him better than he knows himself, there's no way he wanted to give that kid that. I wonder today if you've been thanking God for all the stuff you have. All that you have. I'm not talking about all the toys. I'm talking about what you have. Have you told your children how grateful you are that you're their mom and dad? Have you told your wife or your husband how grateful you are that they're the one God picked for you? I think we need to understand that being thankful and grateful keeps us from a lot of stuff. <laughs> it helps us understand that what we have already is much. Man, we have a lot already. Number two, giving thanks keeps our heart in right relationship to the giver. <laughs> All, every gift comes down from the Father. Every gift. Do you understand that everything you have comes from the giver? Everything. You know, mama says she brought you into this world, she can take you out. But ultimately, God brought you into this world, and he can take you out. 
He's the giver, man. We are rich. We are king's kids. We, we, I'm telling you, we have bountiful harvest at our disposal. We have, we are a people of much, a people of much. But if you listen to us talk, we are a people of nothing. What dominates your home? What you have or what you don't have? What dominates your conversation in your thought life? What else you need or how grateful you are what you've got? It creates an atmosphere in your home, and it can create an atmosphere in your whole life. If you have an atmosphere and aroma of thankfulness and gratefulness, you won't have to have a lot. You'll be very, very content with what you have. Very content. I've never met in all my years with dying individuals, and I I sit with many. I've never had a woman or a man say to me, can you check my checkbook balance one more time? Can you go get all my stuff and bring it into my room? What they mostly say is, can you turn that worship up a little bit more? Can you sit and read the word to me? And can you make sure all my family are here? Why not live every day like it's your last day? Turn that music, that worship up a little bit more. Read that word a little bit more. And spend more time with the people you want around you when you go out. Because if you don't, they may not show up when you go out. Number three, mm. giving thanks keeps us from being entitled. Keeps us from having a spirit of, I deserve it. Mm. Let me present something to you. You don't really want what you deserve. I don't want what I deserve. And thanks to Jesus for Calvary that I don't have to get what I deserve. Because he loved me so much, he took my place. And that keeps me from ever living a life of entitlement. I know people that walk into environments and think that we should clap because they're here. I'm thinking totally the opposite of that. I'm just asking God to help me with that thought. I would then rather not walk in. Entitled people get on my nerves. They just do. I'm being very honest, okay? They, they come in like a hurricane. I prefer a tropical depression. I want to warm up to you. I don't need all of you at once. Because I got to figure out in the small bites if I even like you enough to keep you in the room. All right? Entitlement is killing us as a country. We are feeding entitlement. We are. We sit in heated cars and heated seats listening to music that we do nothing to do but just turn a thing on. It comes on. All right? We drive up to a window and ask for food and we're rude to the person who asks us what we want. We go to the other window to pay for it 
and then we go get it. If we have to sit longer than we intended, we've had a bad day. If the lights turn red on the way back, we've had a bad day. If I miss my favorite show because of traffic, I've had a bad day. And if what I've cooked burns, it's just a bad, bad day. Well, that's probably my third meal that day, and some people only get one, and some get none. I've met them, and they seem to be happier than I am. And I try to figure out what the problem is. Don't be a person of entitlement. It's not attractive. Understand what you've got and why you have it and where it came from. It'll keep you where you need to be, and it'll keep him where he should be. Number four, giving thanks keeps us from developing a hard heart. Giving thanks keeps us from developing a hard heart. We read Psalm 95. I want you to listen to Psalm 95, 8, the first part. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Hebrews 3 seven and eight so as the holy spirit says today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as you did in rebellion during the time of testing in the desert he's saying to the children remember he's brought us out here to kill us he don't even care we're here as god drops manna from heaven they're barking It is so interesting to me that in that Hebrew text, if you will look at the subheadings of Hebrews 3, Hebrews 3, 7, and 8, the subheading right above it says this, warning against unbelief. Would it be that hardening your heart and the lack of being thankful leads to unbelief see when you forget that he's the giver and you harden your heart and you understand and you forget that all this comes from him and you forget to hear him and you forget to thank him then your heart becomes hard and you think it's all about you and then when you need a miracle your big god is you and you can't do miracles and so you have no belief that God can do a miracle because your heart's so hard, you, de- you have unbelief. It is, it is an absolute warning to the believer to get so hard, you are a person of unbelief. May it never be said of us that we forget the thinking and our heart got hard and we become a person of unbelief. That's a sad statement to us. So, as your pastor You are my responsibility. You are the flock given to me. So I need to give my flock homework. You're like, school's out this week, preacher, what's wrong with you? I want to give you some homework. It's the week of Thanksgiving, and here's your homework. Before you eat Thanksgiving meal Thursday, whatever time you eat that, before the kickoff, halftime, during the game, some of you are like, what game? Uh, bless you. Uh, uh, you got you to give thanks, okay? 
you got to give thanks. Now, some of you say, well, we pray every year, Pastor, before our Thanksgiving meal. Okay, I'm asking for a little more than that. I'm asking for Hebrews 13, 15. Let me read it to you again. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer a sacrifice, a praise to our God. That is the fruit of my lips, giving thanks to his name. All the way around the table, ever how many are seated, each of us, by our lips, giving thanks to his name. So your homework is simply this. Not a typical gather, hold hands, and pray, but a simple gather, hold hands around the table, or not hold hands around the table, because some people are long-winded, all right? And some people have to go wash their hands again, all right? So stay at the table and just give an attitude of praise and declaration of praise from your lips before you ever pray and eat that meal. God, I am thankful for this. God, I praise your name for this. God, I praise your name for this. I praise your name for this. I praise your name for this. You are beginning and you are setting the atmosphere of praise in your home. You're teaching every generation not to get a hard heart, to understand where it comes from, that we are blessed and we need to give declaration and praise to him. I'll challenge you one other thing. If you have time, some people eat a meal and they clear the table and they sit a little bit and then they have dessert. But if you want to and if you can, a beautiful way to add to that is to read Psalm 100 over your family. As a gorgeous psalm to bless your family. That one's up to you. But I want an attitude of praise, the praise of our lips, to praise his name around that table this Thanksgiving. In all of the countries that could do that, America's where that should happen. There is no reason that American families don't gather around a table at Thanksgiving and have an attitude of praise and just sort of a, just a choir of thanks. We have so much to be thankful for. Can I remind you that we are all cleansed and we're all healed? And I'm going to challenge you to be that one that gets that. <laughs> May it never be said of you that you were one of those nine. May it always be said of you that you were that one that said thank you. Thank you. I'm going to invite you to stand, church. As the worship team comes up, the ministry team comes up, simple today, just simple. But how many of you know the enemy loves to have you forget the simple? Keep you so busy that you forget to say thank you. And over time, if you do it, you become hard. Can we stop for a minute, reflect on how rich we are and what we've got, and begin to be a people with an attitude of praise and thanks from the fruit of our lips that praise his name. As we worship, 
Begin this week now. Begin it right. Let the compass in your house point north to thankfulness. And let it never come off. Let me pray for you. Father, we are thankful. God, we've gathered here this morning, warm church, drinking coffee, many of us, comfortable chair, great worship, the word. God, we're rich, man. If we can't say thank you for nothing else, can we say thank you for that? There are those who gathered in secret. There are those who are hiding right now just to read the word. There are those who've walked for two days to get to an outside tabernacle to worship in. And there are many with guns trying to find them. And God, we're sitting here comfortable. May we always be a people of praise and adoration to our God. May it never be said of us that we were one of the nine that was ungrateful. May it always be said of us that we were one of that, we were that one that came back and praised him and said, thank you. God, this holiday season, may we know what we got. And may we know where it came from. And may we say thank you. Holy Spirit, now, you've spoken. As we worship, you move us in Christ's name. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram by using the church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 